Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. This morning, we continue our sermon series, Feasting with Jesus. And we find ourselves in John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, verses 2 through 19. Hear now God's holy word. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray. God, meet us on the water's edge of our ordinary lives. You accept us lovingly. You encourage us. You invite us into your abundance. Nourished by the food of your word, warmed by the fire of your unfailing love, may we in turn follow you and offer nourishment, healing, and love to those we meet today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning once again. I'm Pastor Corey, one of the associate ministers here, and it is, as always, so good 
to worship together. We give thanks for such a special service last Sunday. It was our neighborhood worship service. We give thanks for Pastor Sarah for coordinating that, all the volunteers who helped make it happen. And we know a lot of folks put a lot of work into that. So we just wanted to extend that appreciation and also make a note that we look forward to more opportunities to engage more directly in those ways. I also wanted to mention that again, as Alex did, and as you had an opportunity to witness our children sing this morning, that we really would be so grateful if you would join us this evening at 6 p.m. for the Zone performance. We are incredibly fortunate and blessed at Orange to have a children's ministry that can offer this opportunity to pour into our children. But that's not where it stops. It pours into us when we allow it to. And so we invite you to come. And if you're hungry for fellowship and connection, believe me, Tonight's going to be pure delight. I have seen the Moses beard, and it will not disappoint you. Okay? It is everything. And tonight's particularly special for me because I have been to a lot of, whole, of zone performances, but tonight is the, the tiny human. You can barely see him in the blue on the end. He's mine, and this is his first zone. And so he has been singing these songs for months. Every lyric, I believe, is a prayer to God. And we have just enjoyed listening and knowing that he's being formed and shaped in such a way. And so it doesn't matter if you have a child who's participating, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, or you know anyone, just come and be blessed and support them and let them know how proud you are of all the work that they've done. Tonight at 6, right in our fellowship hall. Okay. So this morning, as I mentioned, we are continuing our sermon series, Feasting with Jesus. And as you just heard me read from John 21, we are encountering Jesus on his resurrection tour. Okay, He has made known that he has risen from the dead in John 20, initially to Mary, and she has gone and told everyone she has met, I have seen the Lord. And that's before he goes for the first time to see and reveal himself to the disciples. And they are, the first time, they're gathered together. They're pretty afraid. They're in a locked room. And they're there because of their association with Jesus. And Jesus appears among them within the house. And not all the disciples are there, we know, because poor Thomas. He misses the whole thing. And then he says, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see Jesus and I get to touch the nail marks in his hands. And so then Jesus appears again among them to reveal himself to Thomas. And in his story, we discover that those who struggle and wrestle with their belief in Jesus, that they sometimes find themselves closer to God than they could ever imagine. As Jesus invites him to touch him, to know him, and to believe. And then this third appearance to the disciples on the beach. This is absolutely one of my favorite scenes in all of scripture because there's just so much to, that is happening and there's so much we can dig into and discover about not only who God is, but who God desires us to be. Now, as you can imagine, Jesus has appeared to the gathered disciples several times now, but neither Peter nor any of the other disciples have had any one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus since his resurrection. And I can only imagine that Peter is still feeling pretty heavy about what happened the night of Jesus' arrest and the day before his crucifixion when he denied Jesus three times. Just a few chapters back. And now throughout all of the Gospels, we've gotten sprinkles that Peter is supposed to be a leader in this movement. After Jesus fulfills all the promises that Jesus has made, that he would face death, he would overcome it, and all that's happened now. Jesus is risen, and yet for Peter, that moment of denial, 
That moment of failure, it must be so close at heart, echoing in his mind again and again, as our failures tend to do. We can probably relate just on repeat. I imagine Peter, despite Jesus' appearances, doesn't have a lot of clarity or assurance as to what happens next. Where do we go from here? Probably doesn't trust his ability anymore or really know his place yet and how the story will unfold. So this morning, we get a a snapshot of what the disciples are up to post-resurrection. Peter, perhaps out of habit or necessity or maybe to clear his mind or distract himself, decides to do one thing he's pretty sure about, one thing he's always been able to rely on. He decides to go fishing. So he tells the others, I'm going fishing in the dark. It's night. And when we think about fishing in the Gospels, most of us recall that in Matthew's Gospel, it is while fishing that Jesus approaches Simon Peter and his brother Andrew and tells them, follow me. So we're kind of being taken back on a bit of a circular journey. Here they are back at the place where they found themselves before Jesus called them. But this time, it's dark. And John, John loves the dark. He loves it because it stands in contrast to the light. And the light of the world for John is? Very good. You are now John experts. Coming back, the disciples, they've regressed. They've gone backwards. Have you ever felt like you've gone backwards in your life? Like wondering, how did I end up here again? They've returned to what's familiar, to their old patterns, to things that they have a sense of control over. Maybe they're doing it because it's comforting. It, It feels safe. We do this all the time. We revert to old patterns or old habits, old ways of being, even unconsciously when things are uncertain or uncomfortable. We look for something to cling to that makes us feel safe. I think that's why Peter wants to go fishing, or maybe the equivalent of would be go work in the garage or go for a drive or go watch some more TV to get our minds off things. Or Sometimes those options are more harmful. You know, Some of us might be inclined to lean into those habits that make false promises, give us false comfort. Some of us return to relationships that aren't good, but again, feel familiar. When life gets hard and uncertain, even when we know sometimes that God is near, Peter had seen the risen Lord twice at this point. We may not even be questioning Jesus, but we question ourselves. We've failed. We've fallen short. We've made ourselves unworthy somehow. And so we allow that guilt or pain to convince us that God is far off. We let those feelings of unworthiness and brokenness and sinfulness put distance between us and Jesus. Now, Peter's memory of the last three years walking with and working with Jesus, it all becomes filtered through this one moment of denial. How could it not? So much shame. So I imagine Peter can't really sit still in a locked room anymore, but he doesn't really have an idea of what he's supposed to do next. So what does he do? He goes fishing. And several of the others, who are probably professional fishermen as well, they say, well, that's not a bad idea. We'll go too. And so they fish through the night in the dark. And they catch nothing, which is surprising because I Googled why someone would fish at night. And it's actually because you'll catch more fish. But this time, they catch nothing. And just 
After daybreak, Jesus arrives on the beach. They don't know it's him. So he gives them a few clues. The first one, he calls them children. And coming from any other male of a similar age, uh, that would most likely be awkward, uh, to say the least, for one grown man uh, doesn't usually address other grown men as children, unless you're the creator of the universe and all the things within it. And so he says, children. And if that didn't tip them off, he tells them that they haven't caught any fish, which they hadn't, despite, again, being professional fishermen. And then he instructs them on how to do their job from the shore. So he says to cast their net on the right side of the boat, and they do so, and it's so full that they can't even pull the net up. Well, for those who have been tracking the story for a while, this screams Jesus, because we have flashbacks of Jesus's miracles, and it doesn't take long for the disciples to realize it is the Lord. John, he's the fastest and the smartest, so in this gospel, he's the one who realizes first that it is Jesus. And then Peter, upon hearing John, decides he needs to get to shore and fast. But y'all, sometimes scripture is funny. It tells us for some reason we really need to know that Peter's naked, so he puts on clothes to jump in the water and then swim to shore. Which you know is odd that you would put clothes on to swim while you've been fishing naked, but that's another sermon I'll let Pastor Adam preach. Um, Because now we're getting to the real good stuff. So Peter gets to shore by swimming while everyone else (laughs) decides that they actually aren't that far off from shore. So they'll just paddle the boat in uh, about 100 yards off, you know, like normal people. And uh, maybe I'm at this point thinking maybe John does have something against Peter between the running and out outrunning him to the tomb, and now uh, having to say that he unnecessarily swims to shore, it feels a little pointed. But when they get to shore, Jesus does what Jesus does. He feeds them. He broils the fish, the fish that weren't there before he arrived. Jesus loves to take a little and create abundance. And then he breaks the bread, and this is the third time the third time the disciples have encountered Jesus since his resurrection Jesus was in the tomb for three days Peter denied Jesus three times Jesus loves a good pattern loves a good theme he comes full circle and so he asked Peter three questions on the beach Simon now note he calls him the name that he had before he was called the first time taking us back again. Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Again, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then the final thing he tells him, The same as the first thing he told him in Matthew's gospel. Follow me. I believe Jesus does know everything. Even here as he's asking these questions of Peter, three times he gives Peter the opportunity to confess his love for Jesus. Three times he gives him the opportunity to redeem each of those three moments of denial. Jesus knows Peter loves him. He knows I believe that with my whole heart. And Jesus doesn't need our flattery. But Peter needs to be reminded 
Peter needs to repeat it to himself that despite that night, despite his denial, despite his mistake, despite his imperfection, despite his humanness, despite his sin, he still loves Jesus more than he's loved anything in his entire life. And that is what matters. That is what defines him. It is not his denial. It is his discipleship, his love for Jesus. And Jesus reminds him again that if that is true, if you love me, regardless of the setbacks and our sinfulness, the work doesn't change. The mission remains. The path ahead is still for us. We're invited to continue the journey. And the invitation, simple and eternal. Follow me. Again, some of the first words uttered to the disciples, follow me, and some of the last, the invitations are exactly the same. Wherever we are on our journey, the invitation is the same. So even when we feel like we've made a mess of things, a real mess of things, or that life has made a mess of us, no matter how far we feel that we've gotten away from that shore, there is an assurance that Jesus is patiently waiting for us to notice him. And to come ashore, to notice his presence. And maybe you notice it because you hear his voice like John. Or maybe it's because someone pointed out that Jesus is here, just as he did for Peter. And you can either throw some clothes on and swim to shore, or you can row back like a normal person. We have options here. The journey of the disciples are all different. That's what scripture imparts to us. In this passage, there is such an assurance that Jesus wants to remind us of the truth, the truth that is deep within our hearts, that we may have forgotten because we're ashamed or we're afraid. Do you love me? And we remember, yes. Lord, I love you more than I've loved anything in my entire life. Then we are reminded that we are always and consistently invited to return to the path, to the journey, to sit and eat, be nourished by the very bread of life, regardless of where we've been or how we're struggling. And those words of invitation are laid on the table as a blessing. Follow me. Now here's the last thing I'll mention. I lead a 20-minute meditation on Wednesday nights via Zoom called Savor. And I love it. Each week, we explore a different way of praying. So this Wednesday, we did Visio Divina, where we use an image to help guide our prayer. And sometimes we do guided prayers. And we've done one called imaginative prayer that originated with St. Ignatius, one of the great church fathers. And what this practice, imaginative prayer, invites us to do is to immerse ourselves, to imagine ourselves in Scripture, physically, emotionally, intellectually, fully present, to smell the salt air coming off the water, the fish broiling, the breaking of the bread, to see Jesus, to feel the sand beneath our toes. And as I read this passage this week, I used that practice to engage the text, and I thought, this happens in the morning, on the beach. Jesus asks Peter these three questions, the same one, three times, and says, follow me. But what if we began our morning having breakfast with Jesus. On a beach would be preferable, but not always realistic. But imagine ourselves being asked these three questions, because I'm not the best disciple, 
but I can answer this one honestly and confidently. And in my response of, yes, Lord, you know I do, I can hear that invitation to follow me, and I think that practice would reshape, reform the way I go about my day. It would reignite my discipleship. It would invite Jesus to use me in some way. So I want to invite you to test that out this week. Maybe to allow this message this morning to speak to your heart and to be reminded of your love for Jesus, your simple love for Jesus and your calling to follow him. Do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Follow me. Let us pray. Holy God, you meet us at the water's edge of our ordinary lives. You accept us lovingly. You encourage us. You invite us into abundance. Nourished by the food of your word, warmed by the fire of your unfailing love, may we in turn follow you and offer nourishment, healing, and love to all those we meet today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.